welcome to the Retro Blood. Can you believe this? It's Christmas Eve, and we got orders to bring in Santa Claus. Cindy, if uh, you don't go back to bed, Santa won't come. Merry Christmas, everybody, and you are back on the Retro Blood. James Klein, Jay Allison, bringing all of all of your holiday wonderful gifts to you. And boy, what a Christmas season has been! Because we're on our final episode of our jam-packed Christmas season. Because we're going to be talking all about Christmas evil. Christmas evil, uh, uh, Allison. Do you have a lot of Christmas evil? Uh, stories to tell us for this year? I pretty much am Christmas evil. Yeah, Christmas evil incarnate. That's what people say about me. Are you saying um, you're? But are, no, you, are you saying you're like our boy Harry, who gets very excited over toys? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I do get excited over toys. I get excited over Christmas, and um, you know, sometimes people people kind of hate hate me for how much I love how much I love the holidays. So I'm a big um, fan of Christmas too. Like, I know you were yeah. talking about that on, on some of our other shows. You're a big fan as well. Uh, I thought before we can jump into this episode. So, when I was younger, I always liked getting, like, the newest toys for Christmas. And I can remember, sure. so I, I was going to tell you this a story. I thought that was pretty funny. So, you know, obviously when you're a kid, the big and this kind of relates to this movie too. When you're a kid and you get those brand new toys for Christmas, I'm always really excited. You know what I mean? Where the Santa's dropping off your gifts. You want to get the new Heck hottest yeah. toys at this time. So yeah. <laughs> I remember one time where I was like, I had to be, God, what's it called? Maybe like 13 or 14. And I just got into professional wrestling at this time. There it is already at this time, everybody. I'm already starting this episode off, off hot. Um, During this time. <laughs> so I just got into professional wrestling. And this was the era of the 1998. It, I just got done watching... Well, I mean, this happened earlier, but that year I started watching wrestling. My first wrestling that I watched was the WrestleMania um, 14 with Stone Cold versus uh, um, HBK for the title. And through the whole, you know, Attitude Era, I, I was a big fan of wrestling. And I discovered when I walked into Toys R Us, remember those? Remember those Toys R Uses? Oh, yeah. I walked sure. in there and I saw that the huge, they used to have like huge shelves full of wrestling action figures everywhere. I'm talking about like old school ones like Ken Shamrock, Mankind, you know, Austin, the Rock ones. And those were the ones where they didn't have as much detail as the ones you have nowadays. They were kind of like those like those like plastic ones where you can kind of just move like the hands and like the feet. And they would like come, sometimes some of them would come with like steel chairs, some of them would come with toilet belts and stuff. And once I right, saw yeah. that, I was like, I got to have all of these. So I remember when at Christmas, my parents gave me like a budget or Santa Claus gave me a budget of what I can do. And I remember sure. like picking out maybe like four or five wrestling toys and I got all of them. 
And then what happened was I had all these wrestling toys and my brother, he got like this like brand new video game. And, I, and then when I, when I was opening up all the toys, I was got them, I was like happy. And then he got this video game and I was just like, man, maybe I should ask for a fucking video game. Cause like, I like these toys and everything, but like, I kind of went on like, I was trying to get in, it was kind of like a, a struggle. I like, I like these toys, but I also wanted like this video game as well too. Did you ever have that struggle when you were a child, Allison? Well, no, um, when, but not for the reason that you might think. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I when I was a small child, um, I really didn't have a lot of different kinds of interests. Gotcha. Um, you know, like I pretty much was like really into like comic books and Star Wars, which is not a lot different than I am now, actually. Uh, now I think about it. So, you, you know, when I was like a little kid and I was coming up, like Star Wars was like the biggest thing. So that's kind of what everything was. So like every Christmas, I would just ask for a couple of Star Wars things. So it made it so, easier stuff. Yeah. So like I wasn't really into video games. Like I didn't really get into video games until much later in life. Well, which probably has something to do with my age, the age difference between me and you too. But, you know, like I really didn't get into video gaming until much later in life. So like, you know, like I don't, when I was like from, I don't know, four to like, 12 i probably didn't care about anything except for like you know superheroes and star wars sounds good it's probably just me maybe i'll just a greedy kid i just wanted it all i wanted all the wrestling toys i wanted all the wrestling games well yeah but i think that's natural to like you know well you know i want this thing too um but yeah i mean i think that um i think that's perfectly natural although i thought that story was going to be was going to end happier than uh, than it did, and it's kind of a bummer that little story you told me. Well, I actually got a worse uh, Christmas story, but maybe I'll save it for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just wait till next year. Let's not ruin my Christmas this year. Yes, um, the story me of me year. and not being able to move, but maybe I'll save it for next year. But anyway, everybody, let's get into some of this history uh, surrounding the release date of Christmas Evil, November seventh, nineteen eighty. So we're going to go over a little bit of the release date. Um, we're going to go over a little bit of the, uh, some happening in the heavy metal and the wrestling. And I also, too, want to talk a little bit before we get into the review about a little bit of the history of a uh, Christmas horror movie uh, leading up to this time as well. So I want to do that. But first, let's get into the release date, November 7th, 1980. So we're in another November year of release dates. It seems so far like November is like a hot month for a lot of like horror movies. Have you noticed that so far doing our reviews? Yeah, and I thought that was really weird because you would think that, hey, Halloween, you should put out your horror movies around Halloween. But I guess people, really people still don't do that. There's still not a lot of horror new releases around Halloween. Um, they either come out like right before because I guess they hope they're going to play in theaters for you know a whole two months or whatever. Or they come out after for some reason. you know. Um, but I mean, these movies make sense to come out around this time because they're holiday movies. Yeah. So, you know, when you get into the Christmas spirit, what's more, you know, more in the Christmas spirit than going to see a movie called Christmas Evil or Silent Night, Deadly Night? Exactly. So a big album that dropped one day after, Allison, that this movie dropped in theaters was a band I know you're very familiar with and a band I'm pretty familiar with, too, and also has a wrestling and horror movie tie-in with this band as well. 
and that would be the mighty Motorhead. They released well, their interesting. Yep, they released their album Aces or Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades. And it got released November eighth, nineteen eighty, which is definitely a classic album. Do you have any Motorhead stories that you would like to share? Um, I have all kinds of Motorhead stories. <laughs> um, we could probably do a Motorhead podcast, to be honest with you, but. Uh, Motorhead is one of my favorite bands. And I probably will say that a lot on the show, but I have a lot of favorite bands. But they're definitely one of my favorite bands. They are like almost a perfect rock and roll band. I mean, they're like ACDC, but like amped as high as you can amp it. Like it's ACDC turned to 11. Um, I don't know if you... Did you ever see a Motorhead show, James? Uh, I never saw them live in concert. Unless you count the Triple H entrance for WrestleMania. Does that count? Eh, I wouldn't count that because okay. that was in a stadium. But, um, I mean, you know, I'm sure you still they still had the performance. But Motorhead was just like, I mean, it was like, it was an attack. Like, going to see a Motorhead show, especially if you saw them in a small venue, which mostly is what they played through their career, it was like being attacked. It was just a wall of sound. It was so fucking loud. They may be the loudest band I've ever seen. I mean, they were wow. just fucking loud. And it was just like nonstop, just relentless for 90 minutes of just like constant, just like noise, just like constant barrage of rock and roll and just heavy guitars. And just, they were so good. They nice. were just so good. And Lemmy's such a good songwriter. Yeah. Um, I, I love Motorhead. But yeah, I've, I've been to many Motorhead shows and I'm sure most of my hearing damage is probably yeah. from, uh, <laughs> from Lemmy. Lemmy. Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up the uh, how loud they are. Um, and I, when it comes to me, like the loudest band I have ever heard was uh, Lamb of God. Like they're to oh, me, they're loud too. yeah, they're like super loud. I mean, they just like crank that thing up to eleven. That's interesting though that you said their um, Motorhead was very loud. I could see that though. I mean, obviously, you know, Lemmy has a lot of uh, attachments. Obviously, when it comes to pro wrestling, he did the theme song for Triple H. He did the theme song for Evolution. He did the theme songs for a couple of the pay-per-views as well. And he was also in a horror movie too. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's called like Blood, Bloodlust. I think it, the the um the movie was called where he's like some sort of like vampire, like some sort of rock star vampire. So yeah, Lemmy he, is? Yeah, Lemmy, yeah. It's like this oh, like wow. it's like this like film. I think it happened in Finnish or something. And it's like this like like re- 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 really low budget like B horror movie like vampire film. I'll have to go uh research some of it, but it's 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 pretty wild. So he obviously wow. he has a lot of connections when it comes to that. But this album, you know, was actually um one of the most popular albums they released. Uh it's like, you know Yes, it was. Yeah, so it got like, you know, Billboard charts and one of the top metal album of the year and stuff. And we have some Songs off the album called like The Chase is Better Than the Catch, We Are the Road Crew, and of course the title track, which we'll probably play at the end of this episode, Ace of Spades. So definitely a, a huge band and one of the most like, iconic rock and roll band of all time as well. So pretty crazy where we can see Christmas Evil and then the next day we'll be rocking out to some Motorhead. And Motorhead was already, uh, or, this is like what, their fourth album that they released? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was. It was um, yeah, it's probably their fourth full length. So like, they're already been pretty much established by the time. So we would definitely be picking up this uh, track, this uh, this cassette to be playing in the Trans Am while we're rocking out to some Christmas Evil. So, but yeah, definitely Motorhead. Oh, yeah. So I'll try in the Facebook uh, group page. Everybody join the Facebook Retro Blood, where we have all the extras from the show on there. 
I'll probably be uh, posting like a little concert, see if I can find a concert from the uh, 1980 Motorhead so we can all rock out there on the Facebook page. But definitely a fun band. Um, I like all the tie-ins that he did with the professional wrestling and the horror movie, which we like to tie everything um, over here as well. So definitely pretty cool. Um, so when we talk about the pro wrestling during this uh, November 7th, 1980, I didn't find a whole, month, a whole lot. Um, I think you found an event and I found an event. The event that mm-hmm. I found, it was a WWF uh, uh, World Champion. Sorry. It was a WWF Championship Wrestling uh, televised show that happened. Um, but the actual event took place on October 21st, 1980, but it aired on television on November 7th, 1980. So uh, I guess I go over my card, and then we can go over your card. Of course, you found a was it World Championship Wrestling? Um, it was um, um, I'm actually I can't remember which federation this is. I'm gonna have to look this up. But it was uh, it was a show in St. Louis. But it has to do with the WWF. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, so probably one of those like split shows or something. Yeah, I'll explain that when we get there. But go ahead and tell me about your show. Yeah, so this aired November 7th, 1980. Uh, so we wouldn't be going out to this event in the Trans Am, but we'd probably maybe be watching it either after Christmas Eve or before. So, And I don't think they had like recorders during this time, so we'd probably have to <laughs> maybe even skip one. But So the first match is going to be, if I read this right, The Hangman. Do you know who the hangman? The, the the hangman? The hangman. No, I don't know, but that sounds like it could be a really cool uh, gimmick though, but I don't know who uh, or, or you know, a really good character, but I don't know who I don't know who that is. No. So the hangman the, he doesn't have a wiki, I assume. Yeah, so the hangman is he has a bunch of different names. It's Big John the Quebec Lumberjack. He that's what his this is the names he went by. Hangman, Gene Louis, Gene uh let's see Neil Gaia, Super Destroyer, <laughs> Super Destroyer, Super Destroyer Mark Three, and Towering Inferno. What, the Towering Inferno was he on fire? I don't know. I guess. <laughs> so something that me wow, and Allison okay. want to do um, on the show too is to educate some of our listeners who might not be familiar with some of the pro wrestling maybe terms or or characters. So in this particular case, this this uh, guy, the Hangman, the reason he has so much different names, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> damn, that's why I'm getting some of that holiday holiday coffee good in the, into into the lungs, brother. That's that oatmeal uh, <laughs> cookie getting there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's what's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so the the Hangman over here. So the reason he has so much different names is because when a lot, a lot of times when wrestlers would go from territory to territory to territory, sometimes they would change up their character. So they would either change up their names, they'd change up their looks. Um, they, they wouldn't really change up their wrestling style too much. Maybe sometimes, depending if they're going to be like a, a, a good guy or a bad guy. But a lot of times they would change up their names because it's either the, the territory they were in marketed that name. So they wanted to do something else or, or they just, you know, they legally couldn't take that name over if they signed any kind of like contract. Right, because we kind of mentioned that when we talked about Bruiser Brody in episode one or two. Yep. Because um, he couldn't go by Bruiser Brody when he was in 
the Midwest because they already had a Bruiser Brody. Yes. So we just have to change up the names a little bit. And you got sometimes they also like to refresh the character. So sometimes they'll give him like a new like mask gimmick or they'll give him like some sort of whole new character. And we saw that a lot happen in the 90s as well. Right. And sometimes it would have to do with an angle too because I can remember um, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the uh, Junkyard Dog who was from right here in North Carolina. He, um, he did an angle where he had to leave the territory um, if he lost a match, which of course he lost. And then he came immediately back, but he was under a mask as a wrestler named Stagger Lee. So he wrestled as Stagger Lee for a while. And then it was like a, a big, uh, but he wrestled exactly the way the junkyard dog wrestles, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was this big mystery for a year as to who was under the mask of Stagger Lee. And could it be the junkyard dog or could it not be, even though he wrestles exactly the same way? Yeah. And that happened a lot in the 90s. Um, or not in the 90s. Well, that happened in the 90s too, but a lot in the 80s. Yeah. Where. A lot of time to reinvent your wrestler or reinvent your character, just put a mask on, brother. That's all you got to do. Oh, yeah. That, that, that completely changes everything if you put a mask on. Yes. You're a different person. So the, the, so the Hangman guy, he defeated Rick McGraw. So definitely an uh, opening match of the ages right there. <clears throat> the next match we're going to have is going to be Rick Martell and Tony Gurria. They defeated Johnny Rods and the Black Demon. So, of course, Rick Martell, um, he, he became a very, a really solid wrestler for a long time. Um, he had like kind of like that pretty boy gimmick where he yeah. would have like a, I think it was cologne bottle, and he would spray it on people. Yeah. So, I always like Rick Martell. He's a very like solid wrestler. Uh, Tony Gurria, I think he became a really good trainer after he uh, retired from wrestling. And uh, Johnny Rods, I know a little, like, a little bit about him. Do you know much about Johnny Rods? I mean, the thing I know about Johnny Rods is he trained the Dudley Boys, who are one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was, I mean, he was in a, I think he was a really good wrestler in his day, but it was just bef- a little bit before my time. Kind of mm-hmm. like, um, to me, like when I, when I started really getting back into wrestling in the 90s, Jerry Lawler was a commentator because yeah. he didn't wrestle. He didn't wrestle in any territory that I could see him, and he would all, had also kind of really sort of stopped wrestling, definitely stopped wrestling by that time. So to me, Jerry Lawler is a commentator until I started getting educated and learning more about his history from the past. Yeah, definitely one of the best. We'll probably be talking about him. Well, we already talked about him a little bit on this on on the Retro Blood, but we'll probably be getting more into Jerry Lawler as the episodes no, come. I'm sure. uh, another sure big figure in the '80s was Tony Atlas. He defeated Joe, Joe uh, Jose Estrada uh, during uh, this particular card. So Tony Atlas is mean uh, known to be like a lot of like the bodybuilder type of guy, really big, strong, muscular guy. Um, I don't really know too much about Jose Estrada. I know the other one that was like in the 2000s, he was a manager. Um, but I'm not too familiar with this particular one. But I'd say the match, yeah, it was kind of short. Either. So it seems like a match that would, you know, probably in the middle of the card. You know, a lot of people knew Tony Atlas and stuff. So I could say it's a pretty good, pretty good match, I guess. Uh, up next, we have the Moon Dogs. Okay. Oh, moon Dogs. The Moon Dogs. Moon Dog King and Moon Dog Rex. They defeated Rene Goulet. And Steve and and Steve King, my boy Steve King, the man. Is he Canadian? Let's see. I know the other guy has to be an evil Canadian. 
because his name is Rene Ulet. Now, Steve Keenan, he looks like he's he's from Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he was from he was a Puerto Puerto Rican uh, wrestler, but he was still from outside the United States. Yeah. Well, technically not, but you know what I mean. He was a he was a quote unquote furner. So yeah. he was a heel, I'm sure. They were the heels, I'm sure, in this match. Yeah, definitely. Over the moon dogs. At least it wasn't from the Orient. <laughs> right, because everyone from the Orient is evil. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, making his return to the Retro Blood, the one and only Killer Khan. He's back. <laughs> he was on this show too, huh? Yes. Our boy, he wasn't facing Hogan at this time. Uh, this is actually before Hogan became the champion and was uh, making the territory hot. Um, oh yeah, this which, is before Hogan was even in the WWF. Yes, so this is like when, yeah, this is like right before when he was going to be coming there and making the territory hot. So Killer Khan with Freddie Blassie defeated Charlie Brown. Oh okay, like the cartoon <laughs> character Charlie Brown. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I, I'm not sure who that is. He's probably a famous 1970s wrestler, but I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, let's Charlie see if I can find Charlie Brown. He I'm be- hoping that's his real name because surely you wouldn't pick that as your as your as your gimmick name, right? That wouldn't be your work name. No, I think it is his work name. <laughs> Whoa, what the fuck? Is that was Jimmy Valiant? Wow. Yeah. James uh yeah, Jimmy Valiant. Wow. King James just- Valiant, Boogie Woogie Man, Charlie Brown. Wow, I, we just I, did that in real time. We just learned we just learned something in real time. <laughs> the audience see, saw it live. Oh, it's all live. So we talked about Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Wicked Man. He was really big, you know. And um, when I started like doing research on him, he was like one of the biggest staples in uh, World um, Jimmy Crockett Promotions World Championship oh, yes. Wrestling. But I guess you know before he went over there, maybe his first character was Charlie Brown doing his gimmick, Fates and Killer. Con- what a match! I might have to try to find that one. Killer Khan yeah, versus Jimmy Valiant. Wow. A- a- anything Jimmy Valiant did is just fantastic. Like, he was yeah. just so charismatic. He came out to that, um, oh, uh, what's the name of that song? Um, now I can't even think of how it goes. He had a really famous uh, theme song. Because um, back then, but you didn't have to get licensed to music. Well, you probably were supposed to, but nobody did. They just picked what a popular song. Yeah. And, and that made it their entrance music. Although entrance music was really rare then. Yeah, um, very rare. It's, it's not like it is now. Like like a lot of people didn't have entrance music. You had to be really, really big to have entrance music. The Rock and Roll Express had entrance music. Yep. Um, which you know, but I'm pretty sure that uh, nobody, nobody in the territories paid royalties or anything, no. to, or got licenses for these songs. Yeah, not at this particular um, point. Um, I think the the first act to start doing entrance music was. Is either going to be in WCCW, which is the territory out of Texas? Yeah, the Freebirds. Or the AWA. I think they did a little bit of interest music as there, as there too. But the WWF, um, I think they had like interest music for only like certain, uh, certain people. Right. I, yeah, I've always heard that the Freebirds were the first, um, the first wrestlers to have the, interest. Is that the Bad Street? Bad Street. Well, it was, it was actually Freebird then. I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure the they Freebird, came out yeah. to Freebird originally. Have you seen that? Uh, uh, it seems like a really weird um, entrance theme. That gets so slow. Have you seen the Freebird's Bad Street video? Yeah, it's. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. 
Maybe one day is we'll that be able Michael to Hayes it. singing that song? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I think it is too. Like you talk about 80s, like that's like 80s to the max. Um, probably when we maybe we've, one day when we um, collide with that particular era, I'll try to find that yeah. video and post it. So oh, yeah, that'd be kind of really fun. So the main event of this uh, particular TV show is going to be Ernie Ladd with the Grand Wizard. He defeated Frank Williams. So. You know, this particular, <clears throat> just like a lot of WWF TV at this time. Did you say? Go ahead. Hold on, hold on. Did you say the Grand Wizard? Yeah, he was, that's his manager. Um. Okay. Is he? Is it Ernie Ladd? What does the Grand Wizard look like? He's the guy. And uh, Ernie, and he's Ernie La- with Ernie Ladd, who's an African American yeah. wrestler. Yeah. It, I mean, that sounds like a. <laughs> it sounds like a racist gimmick, but yeah. I guess it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's really weird. What a weird. You don't remember the you don't remember the Grand Wizard? No, I don't. So the Grand Wizard, he was the guy who had like the plaid um uh business jacket on, the yellow pants, and he wore like that like kind of like that like it looks like a like a golden like hat or golden like shower cap with the glasses on him. You don't remember him? I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he's just like but a anyway. manager. Yeah, he, he's not the most popular manager, but he has managed a lot of you know teams uh, during his time. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's just kind of like a normal style manager. So you know, during okay. this during this particular era of WWF, there's like managers everywhere. But he's known for wearing like like wearing a lot of sunglasses, wearing like his like sequin jackets. Um, and it's like turbans. He's it's bright, brightly colored turbans. That's what I was trying to say, with with some jewels and feather, uh, feathers all over it. So, the Grand Wizard, okay. brother. Fair enough. Fair enough. And of course, Ernie Ladd is one of the most, um, you know, probably during the during this particular area is a very big star. You know, very very big dude, um, very like solid wrestler, and a lot of times, um, also to. A lot of times when you would see WWF on TV or you would see them, any kind of shows that would be broadcasting, a lot of times, unless it was like a special event, uh, they would mostly be facing like enhancement talents. So very rarely, like nowadays, we would have like star versus star on TV. Uh, But for the longest time, uh, through like the 70s, the 80s, and even part of the 90s as well too, a lot of times on TV, we would get a handful of big stars, big signed talent, and they would just face a lot of enhancement guys. We'd rarely get a lot of big matches on TV like we have nowadays. Yeah, so an enhancement talent is just somebody who was paid to lose, essentially. Yeah, so it was kind of like a like a territory guy who was either mm-hmm. coming up on the territory or who just gets started with his wrestling career and then just needs somebody in there to get their ass whipped and beat. So, right. But a lot of times, very little offense. Yeah, but a lot of times, a lot of enhancement talent would come on to be stars. I mean, the two that come to mind in my head is Big Bubba Rogers. He was an enhancement talent for a while, and then he became, you know, Big Bubba Rogers, Big Boss Man. And the other one was Sean Walton, six. He was a big enhancement talent who came on to be a star too. So, oh, and and the Hardy Boys too as well. So, you know, just because yeah. you're a enhancement guy doesn't mean you stay that way. Unless you're that's true, that's true. Unless you're an enhancement talent of Jim Crockett era, because some of those guys, I don't know where the fuck they found those guys. <laughs> they look like some dudes you'd find just at the bar or something, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of those guys. I mean, now some of them, you know, I mean, they they were trained wrestlers, um, but um, but yeah, like they were. Um, those guys were just 
you know, it'd be like, you know, all right, today on the worldwide, it's Ric Flair versus Jimmy Smith. Yes. And then Jimmy Smith would come out and lose in, you know, two minutes or whatever. Yes. And then oh. you'd see, like, or, make sure you come see Ric Flair at the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah. They can't have a cool name. Like Lars Lightning. Lars Lightning. Wow, that's cool. I just made that that's one up. That's my, that's my enhancement name, brother. Lars Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what's the show that you found? Let's see if it's better right, than so my sh- show. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was better than your show. But hey, and no, different people have different opinions. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Hey, you I, went quiet over there. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't. So, hold on, we, we have to edit. We have to edit. Hold on, something happened. Oh, I'm in good. safe driving mode. Huh. Gotta make sure um, you're safe driving here on the retro bread, <laughs> brother. All right, we can't have you going off course, man. We're trying to go up to this WWF card. We're trying to go to Christmas Evil. We can't have you going off course. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we can't. I have to be in safe driving, safe driving yeah. mode on Zoom. Like I'm going to be in a Zoom meeting in my car. Well, I, mean, yeah. I guess it happens. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, now that you can hear me again. So, all right. So my show was on November the 7th, which was the release date of this uh, movie um, in St. Louis, Missouri. So we'd be uh, packing up the Trans Am with our mm-hmm. Motorhead cassette, driving up to St. Louis at the Keel Auditorium. Nice. So, um, this was, I'm pretty sure their territory was called the uh, St. Louis Wrestling Club, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just pulling that out of my mind, so I'm not 100% sure about that. But anyway, so um, I won't go through the entire uh, card, but two of the big um, the wh- two of the big matches on it was Dory Funk Jr., okay. who um, uh, was from the Florida territory at the time, the Florida championship wrestling, which is where dusty Rhodes was. Mm-hmm. And he pinned uh, Baron von Rasky, who was from the, uh, from your old stopping grounds of Dallas, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but, um, he, um, he pinned, uh, Baron von Rasky, which might've been, it doesn't mention this, but it might've been from the Florida uh, for the, for the Florida championship title, because Dory had just won it from dusty Rhodes like three days before. In Tampa, so he wins the title in Tampa, and then he goes up to St. Louis to to uh, to fight Baron Von Rasky, who was um, an old. He was actually on AEW like a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, no, yeah, we never talked yeah, doing, about that, but doing um, the claw, <laughs> doing the claw. So that was his big thing with the claw. He was the he was usually evil during most of his career because, of course, he was from Europe, so he was automatically evil. But yeah, he, once he, he once he got the was he claw evil? on your face, what was he evil during Christmas time? Uh, probably. Yeah. You see what I did probably there? Was. I see. I see what you did. He okay. was, uh, he was, he was Christmas evil. Um, but, um, anyway, he, um, once you got the claw on you, it was pretty much over, which I'm assuming Dory, uh, Dory got out of the claw somehow and won so that. So was, uh, Dory, was he the NWA world champion at this time? No, he was the Florida championship. Oh, okay. World champion. I got you. So they're probably just working together because a lot of yeah, times, so- uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so yeah, that I was going to say the same thing you were about to say. So that mm-hmm. was like, that was typical of the time. So you didn't, um, so di- territories were different. Like they booked different and the wrestling style was different. Like in St. Louis, it was more sports based. So it was supposed to look more like a sport. Whereas in Florida, the Florida championship wrestling with Dusty Rhodes was much more showy. Um, so, and, and also territories didn't, didn't really compete against each other. They were all about cooperation because, you know, they shared talent, which is kind of different than you think about it. Most people think about wrestling now, because now 
you know, Vince McMahon wants to run every other wrestling company out of business so he can be the only wrestling company in the world. Um, but it wasn't like that then. Like people shared talent all the time. Yes, exactly. And uh, St. Louis too was uh, a really big wrestling hotspot, and it still kind of is um, in a way. But you know, this this particular era, like St. Louis, was like one of the very hot cities to go to. So a hot city in pro wrestling just means you would get a big audience. Like every time you go there, there either be a sellout or there there be very high demand for the wrestling product. Uh, the the yes. cities that I know that have that are St. Louis. Um, is going to be New York. It was a big one, Chicago. Kind of like still how it is nowadays. You know, those are very big wrestling markets that a lot mm. of people like to go to. I think Dallas was one of them as well. And of course... Yeah, Dallas is one of them. Uh, Gr- Greensboro would be too, but only for like, um, mostly like the Southern wrestling. I don't think WWF really went to Greensboro. Like back, in, back in this era. Did. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they, they never did. Well, you yeah. couldn't back in this era because that's how the territory worked. You didn't, you didn't run shows in somebody else's territory. Yeah, but we're going to find out later as we go through the 80s. This McMahon Jr. didn't give a shit about all that. He went everywhere he wanted to. Nope, yep. He, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into that on one of these shows. But yeah, he basically destroy, tried to destroy, he did destroy the territory system. I mean, you know, he, he really did. Yeah. Um, he, he ruined wrestling in a way. <laughs> but he made it accessible to everyone. So, yeah. yeah. Made it different. Um, yeah. And then the other match, which I thought was kind of strange, was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, who was Harley Race at the time, yes. defeated the WWF Champion, who was Bob Backlund in the time, at the time, in a wow. two out of three falls match. Wow. So you had like, so you did have at this time. Now, I don't know if um, current Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, owned the WWF at this time. I don't know when he bought it from uh, Vincent J. McMahon, who was his dad. I don't know when he took it over. Um, but if, if he loaned his champion, which it does say WWF, so not WWWF, which is what it used to be called. So he does say WWF champion. If he did loan that guy to, you know, St. Louis, that was kind of unheard of, you know, from my experience with Vince McMahon, like, you know, wanting to work with other people. So, but yeah, so, and, and he lost. So Harley race beat Bob Backlund, obviously no titles were on the line, but he did beat uh, Bob Backlund in a two out of three falls match for, at the main event of that show. Wow. That was pretty crazy. <clears throat> I bet that match has been really fun, too, because, you know, Harley Race and uh, Bob Backlund. I mean, it, it seemed like it'd be like a little bit of a styles clash because Harley Race is more like a brawler type. And when we mean <laughs> right, brawler type, so brawler type in wrestling is basically a guy who doesn't do like a lot of holds. Um, he does like a lot more like punching. Like a lot more punching, a lot more kicks, a lot more physical style. Yeah, they look, they look like they're like beating your ass. You know, kind of like yeah. we would, not really like technical, like you would see like in an MMA fight, a little bit more like a like a brawler type, like you're beating somebody up at the bar. Yeah, and Lance, Lance Archer is a brawler. Yes, yeah, he would be um, a brawler that we have, that we see nowadays. Um, and so Bob Backlund, his, <clears throat> his wrestling style was more like mat-based. So you have a lot more amateur wrestling holds that he did. You have a lot more technique. Um, he used to do this. <laughs> so, like, I remember one time watching, like, a Bob Backlund match when he was on Raw. Like, one of the early days of Raw. And this guy, like, I don't know what, I don't know if he was doing it as a joke. But every time you put on a fucking submission, his, a- his ass would be right as the hard camera. 
you know like he'd be like mooning the heart camera like doing this guy's submission like every second like the guy couldn't move the camera around with like bob with bob back then like mooning us with his fucking ass or doing all these submissions so yeah he did a, he did a lot of like submission types of a lot of like, like greco roman style wrestling uh, i'm trying to uh, do some research to see when mix um, vince mcmahon bought the wwf from his dad and it looks like it yeah. actually happened in uh, February twenty first, nineteen eighty. So, he, so, so yeah, Vince the, McMahon so he was, was running still, it. Yeah, so he was running it, but this was still in his first year. So he was probably yeah. either didn't have the idea yet. Well, no, I bet he. I know we had the idea yet, but he was. I bet he was still like, well, I need to work within this territory system until I can figure out a way, until I can get a big enough star to yes. run everybody else out of business. Because he knew Bob Backlund probably wasn't going to be that guy. Yeah, um, but but I'm guessing that Harley Harley ended up winning this by disqualification. But I'm guessing that the mismatch was what cost Bob Backlund the match because I don't think you can really beat Harley Race with the crossface chicken wing, which is what Bob Backlund's finisher was most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess during this particular era, 1980, this is like probably when Vince bought it. You know, it takes a little while to get everything going. So, like what you said, Allison, he was probably looking for his right person to do his ideas with to to do his whole expansion with and obviously he would find hulk hogan to do all that with him so hulk hogan was the right person yeah so it's pretty interesting to see like the the early stages of like this like massive takeover wrestling so this should be very fun uh sometimes going around this era and then even going into 1991 so definitely pretty fun on the wrestling side I would say so, but uh, I mean, what a, what a card though! That would be a really fun card to see, especially during this yeah. particular era, because I definitely know that Harley Race probably would have been one of our favorites um, for this time, just the way his wrestling style was and his promos mm-hmm. were fantastic as well. Yeah, and he also became a really good trainer too down the road. Yep. So now that we're done with some of the history of uh metal and wrestling at this time i want to go before we get into the christmas evil full review which there's gonna be a lot to talk about with this movie uh before we do that uh, we mentioned on silent night deadly night one the first holiday podcast we did that uh the silent night deadly night got a lot of like criticized for for having a killer santa they had um you know protesters outside of the theater trying to get that movie to shut off at theaters and eventually worked and eventually got removed from theaters. But like we mentioned before, there was shows and movies before Silent Night Dead and I came out that, that had a killer Santa has their main antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about that a little bit before we get into this review. Um, so Christmas evil wasn't the first um, show or movie that had a killer Santa, you know, has its main, like, antagonist or, like, showed Santa into a bad light. That would actually, the honors actually goes out to a Tales from the Crypt episode. Have you ever seen Tales from the Crypt, John? Uh, yes, but this must be something different because uh-huh. I remember Tales from the Crypt as a TV show in either the late 80s or early 90s, but that would have been way after this. Yeah. Um, I said I was so, doing some of my research. Said this Tales from the Crypt, nineteen seventy-two. Oh, that's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. So yeah, that yeah, that's actually a really good movie. So the first um, time they tried to adapt tale, the comic book Tales from the Crypt to a TV show, 
they did an anthology movie and I think it has, I think there's two of them actually. And it has two, um, two story or two or three stories in it. And, um, okay. one of them must be about a Santa Claus. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it was but, called yeah, all so through that the was half. the first one you could okay. find. Yeah. So that's the first one you could find. Yeah. That's when I was doing um, some of my research on like very like old Christmas horror movies. One of the first ones I found was from a tales from the crypt, I guess what you're saying, which was a, Kind of like an anthology movie, kind of like how uh, Creep Show is, where they have a bunch of different stories in one. And the one yeah, I, I found Peter was Peter Cushing is in it. Yeah, it's called All Through the House. It's like that's what the the little section was, and that portrayed a, like a a a bad Santa, like a, a, a bad killer Santa. So pretty interesting. That definitely would be yeah. kind of something fun to to review. Uh, sure. And then of course later from that we get. Um, Silent Night, Bloody Night, which was another Christmas movie that was made in 1972. And, of course, then we go on to one of the most famous Christmas horror movies, which is Black Christmas, 1974. So, we're seeing that there is a trend before even this movie Christmas Evil happened, before Silent Night, Dead Night happened, that we've had uh, have some uh, established Christmas horror movies. And, of course, before this movie happened, which was probably doing next year, To All a Good Night. From 1980, January 30th, 1980. So it's kind of interesting where I guess it, it, it just it was just the marketing and it was probably the time that made Silent Night, Dead of Night so uh, controversial just because of yeah, the trailer. Yeah, I think it was the did. trailer. Yeah, yeah I think it was the trailer that w- that showed, you know, uh, Santa Claus murdering people. And and also the trailer aired during prime time. So they you'd yeah. be watching like maybe a family-friendly show Um and then it would show this trailer for Silent Night, yes. Deadly Night, because pe- things were wilder then. Like, um, you can't do that today. So that's one yes. of the things. Like, and one of the sh- segments we have is you can't do that today, um, and you can't do that today. Because I can remember uh, this is a little tangent, I guess, but I remember when The Shining came out. I was very small and seeing that on like the trailer for that and being fucking terrified um, on primetime television. Um, but yeah, yeah, so they showed Silent Night, Deadly Night trailer. Um, during prime time, um, I think it was during it a just, football and, game. It was also during a football game, yeah. And then, then <laughs> people just like went were in an uproar about it, and they were just like losing their fucking minds. Yep. So I thought that but was what, pretty interesting. But what they really should have been losing their minds about is this movie because this movie is fucking dark. Yeah, yeah. This one is definitely <laughs> going to be very interesting because it not only deals with it, kind of deals with a, a guy who's going through a lot of like. Um, has a lot of like um uh, what do you call it? Uh what's that personality? They have split personality. Yeah, kinda, yeah. So, but we'll get into it. Um, so well I guess everybody, let's get into the Christmas evil. <laughs> Good boy, Scotty. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible. We hope all the boys and girls out there have been good this year, don't we, Bill? We sure do. I have something for you. I have superlative taste. Santa Claus 
That's the only way the police can identify him. Merry Christmas, Frank. Avoid anyone dressed as Santa Claus. Don't make kids scared again. They won't think everything's coming to them so easy. They're bad. Santa's hit list is goddamn selective. He's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or No, no, it wasn't any of these Santa Clauses. His suit had dark fur. Don't! It's gonna hurt our kids. We're not even sure it's him. Not sure my ass. Look at the fur on that suit. All right, so we're here at the Christmas Evil. Uh, Allison, did you know that this film was originally titled "You Better Watch Out"? Yeah, which I think is a, I think that's just as good a name. I mean, I think that would be a good name for this movie. Yes. Um, you know, I think that's great. And so when we were all when we were watching it, when we were doing the credits, you could just like our just like our Blood Rage <laughs> credits that said Slasher. These ones in the credit. Credits did say better watch out. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, did you know this film was also known as, I like this one too, Terror and Toyland? <laughs> this is not as good a title. <laughs> um, terror, terror and Toyland, brother. I don't know if there's a Terror and Toyland movie, but I would definitely make it because that is fucking awesome. I love that name. So yeah, there, I'm, I'm getting ideas for this already. There is a movie out there. I think it got released around like... Oh God, 2017, 18, that's called You Better Watch Out. But it's one of those like, oh, we're making a Christmas horror movie, but it has to be comedy. Right. You know what I mean? It has a bunch of kids and stuff. And then the kids are like, they do like Home Alone shit going on there. But Right. Yeah, yeah, because everything has to be silly now. Everything has to be a comedy. People have yeah. to laugh. Don't this give movie's me, not I'm, funny at all, though. Yeah, I know. Like, what, like, nowadays, like you just mentioned, like a lot of horror movies that come out, for Christmas time, they have to be like silly. They have to be funny. They don't have to have any kind of plot to them. They just got to be like, oh, we have this Christmas. Like, I can go on a rant right now for like some fucking Christmas movies that are out there now. Like, the original, like the remake of Black Christmas, that thing totally sucked. This yeah, fucking well, movie called Red Christmas, oh my God, it's the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen. And then we got, you know, we got that, that Better Watch Out movie that looks like shit. And then yeah. there is one that got released this year called Silent Night. I haven't seen it yet, but I it's in that same realm where it's, oh, okay, well, it's a horror movie during Christmas. Let's make a comedy, you know? Yeah, because everything's corny and cheesy now. Like, you know, yeah. everything has to be just straight. I don't know. It's just it's a thing that annoys me about people. I'm going to start. I'm going to go outside and scream at clouds in a minute, I think. Yeah. But, Get off um, my lawn, but, brother. You know. <laughs> Get off my Christmas lawn, brother. I want some terror Christmas. Tell the kids to get off my lawn. But yeah, everything has to be like just straight and nothing can be like interesting anymore. Like everything has to be straight and vanilla and boring. And yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, why can't you just have like a serious movie, you know, with Santa, an axe wielding Santa Claus killing people? I mean, that's fantastic. Well, we're about to go over it because this movie is actually very, has a very like deep, serious storyline to it. It does. really. I mean, it really does. Cause like when you you know you when you look around horror movies oh Christmas Evil this must be like corny and cheesy and shit no when you actually watch the shit you're like oh shit okay this is like some serious stuff going on over here so so it is now Christmas Eve we're in 1974 all right yeah we see a 1974 Christmas house 
No, and, hold on. It's 1947. Or did I, I say 74? Oh, my bad. Yeah, man. Sorry. 74. Shit. 1947. I was like, wait a minute. That can't be right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> did I say 74? I meant 94. Well, I'll start over again. Yeah, no. <laughs> what? Is it 74 or 47? It's it's 47. Okay. That's what I wrote. Okay. I don't know why I said 74. We're going to rock it out in the 74s, man. All right. So it's Christmas Eve, 1947. Right. We see a 1947 house with Christmas lights on it. We see two kids and their mom staring at Santa. Santa is, well, first, like, like he was kind of coming out of the chimney, but I think he was like faking it. And then he's like walking around. There's like, it wasn't milk and cookies because like he grabbed something and he like put some stuff on it and then ate it and then drank the milk. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really weird. Like it's like, and then there's like a little bowl where he's washing his hands. Like yeah. I guess traditions for, you know, giving, leaving stuff out for Santa was different then, but like they yeah. left water out so Santa could wash his hands and then. And then he like, it's like bread with like something you could put on it. Like so. butter or something. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, Nowadays, we yeah. just like, listen, brother, you come in my house and shit, you better be carrying a Glock because I ain't having you sneak in here. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to leave you a cookie, man, it's going to be like some uh, buttermilk one or something. All right. <laughs> It'll be a did you, ever, did you ever leave any food out for Santa? When you oh, were yeah, eating? always. Always. And I was so excited um, uh, when, when it was gone in the morning. I was so I was, I was so excited about that. Like I thought that was the coolest thing. It's like we left like a little plate of chocolate chip cookies out for Santa every year. And, I, I uh, didn't do that. I, I ate them. I didn't do that. I was too much of a fat kid. So before I, I was like, oh, we're leaving <laughs> some cookies out for Santa. And everybody was sleeping. I run in there and take them out and bring it back with me. <laughs> I was our fucking. Uh, I was our boy Garcia in this movie. All right? Man, you're lucky. You're lucky Santa left you anything. You ate his damn cookies. I was like our boy Garcia. We'll get into him. All right, so. We had this. We have these two kids. Like I said, they're watching Santa. Santa's putting out these presents, everything. The younger kid, which we found out, the younger kid name is going to be Phil. He gets all excited. He starts like laughing like a little kid. And Santa sees him, gives him a wink. They all look at him. Then they go upstairs. We found out the character's name. We have Harry, and we have Phil. All right. Now mm-hmm. I don't know why I kept naming Harry Henry, so I might do that because. For, when we'll get into it, Harry reminds me of another movie that we might do in the future, which is Henry, which, which I'll get into. Um, so, uh, so Harry is like, "Hey, do you think that was like Dad and stuff that was doing that?" And Phil's like, "No, no, that was just Santa and stuff." And so, like Henry, Harry's just kind of he can't really figure that out. Like he's kind of like, "Oh, this is kind of weird." Like I gotta, I gotta get to the bottom of this to see who who this guy was, you know, because he doesn't believe it was the real Santa. So he goes down the the stairs, and this is where the trauma happens. Okay. <laughs> yes. So he goes down the stairs, and he sees uh, Santa caressing his mother's leg. Like this guy must have some sort of like leg, uh, um, thigh fetish going on over here because he was caressing that thing hard. Yeah, it was pretty explicit. I mean, you know, there's no nudity at this point, but it's it's pretty it's well, pretty explicit. Like it was like that whole thing was like really pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. So like you know, during 1947 era, this is like some hardcore porn. All right, with this guy <laughs> fucking caressing, and then our boy Harry, he cannot take it. Like he was just like, "What is going on over here?" His mind is blown. Mm-hmm. So 
he like runs upstairs and he goes to the attic and I guess like somehow like this ruined Christmas for him like in his brain like he can't comprehend why Santa was like caressing his mom's leg like how how can Santa be naughty like when he says like he he gets naughty kids and stuff that's what I kind of took out of it so he has like the snow globe he breaks the snow globe and then he eventually cuts himself with part of the snow yeah. globe this is when we get some of the credits so definitely starting this movie out a uh, little little weird a little crazy a little weird yeah why is why is Santa yeah. kind of fucking my mom yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and then the credits roll so the movie really hasn't even started yet yeah it even started that's just yet. the prologue yeah and then this is when we get the title that you better watch out so this is how kind of like how we did the blood rage different movie title now but at the time it was called something different mm-hmm. So we're in the present now. This is now 1980. Uh, and we see a guy who's sleeping in some like Santa PJs. And it's Harry. And he's you know waking up in his house. To describe it, he has a lot of like Christmas stuff around his house. Like he has a bunch of Christmas dolls. He has like pictures of Santa everywhere. And throughout the movie, he's, he's like hums Christmas themes. Like he mm-hmm. hums like, you know, like Santa's coming and stuff like that. Um. And during this part, it's not quite Christmas yet. So you can just tell that uh, he's just really into Christmas. Yeah. Like all year round. He's like super into Christmas. Yeah, yeah, super into Christmas. And he's kind of like, you can tell he's like preparing for stuff. So he's looking at himself in the mirror. Um, And then we get a cut of him. This is like really creepy. So we get a cut of Henry outside. I said Harry. We get a cut of Harry outside with the binoculars. And he's like staring at like different kids. And I was yeah, like, oh, through, through the windows. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. This is, bro, this is going? Okay. This is getting dark quick. Yeah, at first I thought he was just going to be a peeping Tom, like staring at some naked girls and stuff. Now he's like staring at kids. So he goes down like the list. Little like, children. Yeah, like little kids. And he has like, he's he knows them each by name. And he's like studying what they do to either put them on the naughty list or the nice list. Mm-hmm. So he goes through like Scotty. Um, he says Scotty's being nice because he ticked out the trash. And then he goes to, he's really in love with like Susan, like the little girl. He's like, Susan, you're like my perfect angel, just being nice all the time. And then, of course, he gets to Garcia, which my. Yeah, Ma- which, Moss, Moss Garcia. Yeah, Moss Garcia, which my boy over here is a big fan of Penthouse. And he's like cutting yeah. out like naked girl pictures and stuff. And then he's always like, and then, and then like once Harry sees this, he like freaks. He's like, ah, Moss. Oh, I got it. And like, he had to rush home and he had to put Moss on the naughty boys list. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're always seeing like Harry's a little bit, a little bit messed up. Like he literally thinks right now that he is Santa. Yeah. A, a little bit. Nothing. Yeah. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he has like all of the, um, they're not just lists. Um, you kind of underplayed that a little bit. They're they're like bound volumes by year. Yeah. So they're like leather bound books with all the kids, children's like um names and everything they've done good and everything they've done bad yeah. throughout the years. Like he has these on a shelf in his Christmas house. Yes. Uh some of the stuff was uh <laughs> I caught a little bit of what of what the bad stuff was, but um the one he wrote down for uh, Moss was in pure thoughts. Yeah, because he reached penthouse. <laughs> yes. So we have arrived at our toy factory. The toy factory is called Jolly Dream. 
Toy Factory. And uh, a cool little side note, this was actually a real Toy Factory that they filmed in. Yeah, it, it was, was owned by some uh, a relative of the producer, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it was owned by the relative of the, uh, the producer. Let's see. It was uh, it was filmed in New Brunswick, and it was owned by um, Lynn Pressman. Uh, he was the uh, that was, Lynn Pressman was the mother of the film's executive producer, Edward R. Pressman. So it was the mother of the producer of the film. So kind of kind of a little cool little tie in. It just so happens that your mother owned a toy factory. Yeah. So make a movie about what we have on hand. Hey, hey, that's the way to do it. Uh, so Henry. <laughs> So Henry is talking to some of his union co-workers, okay? And he is uh, explaining to them the importance of making quality toys. And of course, yeah. none of these guys give a shit about making quality toys. They just want to yeah. get their paycheck and then they, they're always worried about somebody who's going to get fired or not. Yeah. And, right. of course, and of course, Harry works at the toy factory. Yes. He's, he's Santa Claus. Yes, exactly. So Harry got a promotion to be like one of the head um head accountants for the actual toy factory but he still misses the toy line um because he was working at the toy line um part first where they mm-hmm. physically put all the toys together but he got promoted um but then some of the other guys are they're like kind of getting on to him because he's kind of like a nerdy guy so kind of yeah so in walks Frank is another coworker that we have. Frank wants to go on a vacation with his squeeze. All right. He wants to go and then he needs somebody to take his shifts. So he asked a couple of the coworkers. They said they don't want to do it. And then eventually Frank kind of like, I wouldn't say bullies uh, Harry, but he kind of like takes over. Like he starts eating his sandwich. He kind of like puts the idea in Harry's head to maybe like, hey, I know you missed the toy line over here. Can you please work for me? You know, he doesn't even say please. Like, I, I need you to work for me. So yeah, I would, I would definitely call that bullying. I mean, if you're eating somebody's sandwich, you're That's bullying true. them. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, James. If you come up and you eat my sandwich, you're getting knocked the fuck out. That's why. That's all I got to say about that. I would never so, touch your mighty sandwich, there, Allison. <laughs> you definitely wouldn't. You definitely would not. Um, but 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 this guy might because he's an asshole. But yeah, he's definitely bullying Harry into working his shift. And um, I don't know if you mentioned this. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So Thanksgiving is the next day. So he 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 says his wife wants to leave on their Thanksgiving trip early. So he needs somebody to work for him, and he basically bullies um his manager, I guess you'd say now, into working the toy line for him. Yep. And this is when we get a scene of a poster. Which said it had a Santa Claus face on it, and it said, "If it's not a jolly dream, it's not worth having." Yes, that's a that's also kind of creepy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's a toy line there. So Harry he gets a call from Frank, and this is when Frank basically says, "Like, hey, I need you to work for me, please." You know, he doesn't even say please. He kind of just like, "Hey, I need to go out with my. I need this time off. You know, you're gonna do this for me." Um, thanks, buddy. And he just basically forks him, uh, forces him to do it. Right. And then Harry's looking a little upset because, you know, he has a lot of uh, work to do because he's about to be transforming into Santa. Mm-hmm. So uh, he goes, eventually we get a shift he's got change. a lot of kids to spy on. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> he has a lot of kids to be spying on, all the stuff to go. And so we get a, a schedule change. Harry goes out there, starts working on some of the toys. Um, so we get a clock out scene. Uh, did you see some, some like, like these like toys that they have? Like, man, they were cheap looking. Like they were like cheap looking like trucks, cheap looking like a guy on a motorcycle. I was like, man. Well, yeah, that's Harry's point, right? Like yeah. he's talking about how we need to make quality toys, but we don't make quality toys anymore. We make this shit. Yeah. So it'd be like, um, it'd be like some shit you see at the dollar store. That's what these guys be making. Yeah, maybe not even that good. Yeah. So Harry, after his shift, um, where he had to work a double, he is now off, and he just so happens to go by a bar. I guess this is like the local bar that the uh, crew goes by, um, and he's looking inside. The bar is called the Old. No, no, it's called the Odd Couple Lounge. What a bar name! And yeah, he yeah, sees really weird too. Yeah, he sees Frank's drinking in there. And then they're laughing, saying like, oh, I didn't even need that many days off, but I knew that freaking guy would do it. So Frank, he said he's not even leaving for like four days to go on his vacation. Um, so he, he just got, he suckered Harry into working for him some extra time. And of course, Harry freaks out and he runs back home. Yep. So I get, so we're, we're, we're kind of establishing right now during this period that if people are like making Harry feel uncomfortable and they're doing bad things, he has to put them, like, on a list. He has to, like, remember them in the head because, like, I guess this, like, triggers him a lot that he now he thinks that he's Santa. So he grabs, like, a Ken doll and starts, like, humming music and, like, eventually breaks the Ken doll. So we're seeing, like, this guy has some, like, mental problems with him. Yeah, uh, we're just now seeing that. But, yeah, it's 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 becoming more, 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 more mental issues for yes. sure. He also goes off and it looks like he sees like his old house. I'm not sure if it was his old house or whether the house that his brother brother is staying at. But he sees like this couple and he sees like these kids playing around. And eventually um, he starts watching um, the um, the kid. I mean, he starts watching the uh, the mother and the dad kind of like start kissing and making it out. And I'm pretty sure that that guy, he was his younger brother, Philip. And it was his wife. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. That was like he was kind of spying on Phillips, Philip for some reason, um, Philip's house. Yeah. So, and we'll, we'll find out that the the brother, the younger brother, actually grew up to be like a normal guy. Uh, he has a, like a wife. He has some kids, and he can't really grasp his brother. Like he knows that his brother has some bad mental issues that he's been trying to help, but it it, it doesn't work out. And we see that because. When Henry, he's he when he's back at his house. This is the next morning. He is watching a parade, which I'm pretty sure is the Thanksgiving parade. Yeah, this is Thanksgiving Day now. Yes, so it's Thanksgiving Day, and we see Philip. He's talking to his wife, saying like, the wife's like, "Hey, you know, when are you going to be inviting uh, Henry, uh, uh, Harry? God, I knew I was going to say all that. When are you going to be inviting <laughs> Harry? You, you know, I got the Henry thing because like because of." Uh portrait of a serial killer yeah so the the, the character on this movie kind of remind me a little bit of him you know with like the, bit, the, yeah. the, the the issues the stalking people like he wasn't as intense as harry the portrait of serial killer when it comes to like his kills and shit or like his mental issues but like they he, they were like similar on some of the aspects of their personalities yeah which i'm sure that's a movie we'll do down the road yeah a really crazy movie too yeah very dark yeah so so we get a call. Uh, Harry calls up Phil, 
Uh, Harry doesn't want to come to Thanksgiving because he has like a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff in his mind. Philip's like, hey, you come every year. Like, what's going on over here? Are you okay? So Philip gets really worried when Harry acts up, like when he does like certain things, when he starts acting a little strange. Uh, Philip just gets very like worried about uh, Harry, uh, Harry. And Harry's just like, like he wants to get off the phone so bad because Santa Claus is coming up in the parade and he wants to see what Santa Claus looks like. Right. And we do we do see that uh, Philip has uh, two kids um, as well, and they keep interrupting the phone call all the time. And eventually, Phil does get a little angry at them. Uh, let's see. Um, and then, yeah, Phil. So Phil, I feel like at this point, he's kind of starting to get a little um, tired of dealing with with Harry. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's he's more exasperated with Harry and like his issues. And his wife is kind of supportive of Harry. Like, yeah. she likes Harry. And the kids like Harry. Yep. Um, well, I mean, it really likes Harry. It's just that Phil is just getting tired of his his mental issues, kind of. Yeah, he's because... He's getting tired of dealing with them. Because he also says in this, when he hangs up the phone, he's just like, you know, I'm just tired of his mental issues. Like, I just wanted, like, a normal older brother. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't realize, like, why he became like this. He said he was normal when he was a kid. But he just, like, started acting all kinds of weird and just... He's just getting fed up with trying to like help him when Harry doesn't really want a lot of help. So, so like we said, we're showing some like deep issues, like some meaning over here. Yes. So after this parade, Harry is just all into getting Santa Claus right now. Like he wants to, he's like building his costume. Um, we see him painting his van. So he's just getting everything kind of set up. Um. So he's making a Santa hey, suit. He- yeah, we get, he he paints he paints a, a Santa sleigh on the side of his white van. Yeah, which is pretty creepy. We also get yes. like a. Did you see this scene? It's like a cut scene. I don't even know why it was in here. It was like of like this. It was like two. It was like trees, right? Like some Christmas trees, and like I guess it was like a door opening, like a garage door opening or something. And we see these cre- two like a bunch of Christmas trees, some mannequins, and two creepy dudes just standing there. I don't know if he caught it. was a really quick scene. I don't remember that. That's, but there's a lot of like creepy imagery in this yeah. that are in it for no apparent reason. Yeah. They're just like, yeah. So there's like some like just creepy scenes around there of like just showing the, you know, that's hey, it's coming to be Christmas time over here. So after uh uh Henry paints his car, he's now he names the kids that he was spying on. Huh? Mm-hmm. And Okay, so this is a weird scene, too. So Henry's now walking down the street. He has food in his hand. He sees the kids, and he know he actually has a relationship with all these kids because these yeah, kids are from them. his neighbors. Yeah, so he, yep. so the kids are like, hey, Henry, what's going on? Uh, Henry, uh, Henry goes, hey, you guys look pretty, you know, you guys are doing pretty good. Susan, you look great as always. You know, look very beautiful as always. Uh, they ask, um, hey, uh, Henry, what are you going to be wishing for? And Henry's gonna be like, "Oh, I wish I was a, a I had super magic." And then all the kids go, <laughs> "It's like, yeah, super magic." Okay, <laughs> this is already creepy. Like this guy talking to all these kids are like, "This is a pretty creepy scene." <laughs> but this is like, well, I mean, yeah, but I don't. I was gonna bring that up. I don't think that this was. This is. I guess this is considered creepy now because yeah. everybody's just so vanilla and straight laced. But like back then, back in 1980, you could you could say hello to a child and not be considered a pedophile. That's true. And he probably Which had now like, you can't now you can't now, if you talk now, I mean, I don't want to come across as, you know, whatever, but I mean, now if, you know, if you, 
if you're if you talk to a child you don't know you're immediately a pedophile yeah which is true you know that's how like a lot of things have changed yeah um and i'm pretty sure like uh, harry had like a relationship with some of the parents as well um and they probably knew that he's kind of like you know you know not all there but like very like you know slow type i guess you say so they probably treat him like as a kid as well so they're probably probably, they're probably pretty fine with him um and like you know uh in this film too like harry never really did any kind of danger to kids at all too he actually liked a lot of kids except for one (laughs) except for one yeah so the kids start naming what they what they uh wished for like what they want to (laughs) be one kid says i want to be a fighter fighter uh one kid says i want to be a principal (laughs) and then our boy kick everyone out of school so you can kick everyone out of school and then Garcia's like, I want a lifetime prescription to Penthouse magazine. And yeah, Harry's like, oh. Bad. <laughs> and then Harry's like, so like, oh, fuck. Now the fuck, he got triggered. He's like, this fucking guy, this fucking moss. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Just let him have his porn magazines. He's like, nope, Henry, yeah, the, can't do it. Yeah, that was one of the only funny, actual funny things in, the, yeah. in this movie was when he gets triggered by moss saying that he wants a lifetime subscription to Penthouse. Yeah. I was like, boy, you got my you got my heart there, Moss. When I was your age, I probably did too. <laughs> so this is all, so this part I thought was a little creepy. Uh, Harry has a picture of Susan in his room, and he's like, he brings out the Naughty Boys list, and he tells that picture, Susan, you your your um, your pretty eyes can't see this Naughty List. So he puts the picture down, and this is when he has like he puts more notes um, in his book for Garcia. And this is when we see like a, a weird scene of him. So when Henry runs, it's actually pretty creepy because this guy like sprints everywhere. And mm-hmm. we see him running to Garcia's house. And then in his notes, um, some of the naughty stuff that he put in his notes for Garcia was he picks his nose. He throws rocks at dogs. He uses profane language. And he has a <laughs> negative body hygiene. Yes. Like, yeah, so I was kind of on. I was kind of not really against Moss until I read this list, and then once I found it, he throws rocks at dogs. I was like, I "Hope this guy, kid gets killed." Yeah, yeah, fucking bastard. Like all this other stuff, I probably yeah. did as a kid, but I never threw no rocks at dogs. No, only assholes do that. Yeah, you're gonna be on my now list, boy. Yep. So Harry, he runs. He runs to the. So Moss kind of has like a, like a. He kind of lives with his mom, and the mom. Well, yeah, he's a little kid. Well, yeah, but I, I guess it's just his mom. I don't think there's a dad around. Oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't. Yeah, we don't see the dad. I see your point now. Okay, yeah. continue. So he he just watches some shows, and his mom wants him to. I guess he has to take him with him out somewhere. And Moss, he just wants to stay home and play video games. And the Moss and the mom's like, no, like you guys gotta come out with me, and you're gonna be making me late. And so during this, like, like Harry is just like acting kind of weird. I think this is the part where he puts like. Yeah, he just like uh, creeping through, uh, creeping through Moss's window. Um, they eventually come outside. He's hiding to the bushes, and this is when like Moss kind of sees him from the corner of his eye, and he walks very yeah, slowly Moss, up Moss to the Moss sees him. Yeah, right. Yeah, he hides in the bushes when they come out. Yeah, and then he's like walking wow. like super slow while the mom's like, "Come in here, get in here, get in here, get in the car." And then eventually Harry tries to grab him. Moss runs back. Mom's like, "There's a creepy monster in the bushes." The mom's like. She looks kind of look over there, doesn't see anything. She's like, no, there's not, and just slaps the kid and then brings him into the car. Yep. Like, shit, okay. Um, so we get more. Harry's back home. He's laying down. And he's the, during the whole time when we see him at home, 
he's like humming different Christmas songs. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, stuff like that. He's like humming different like <laughs> songs. I can't, I'm not the best like, at um, like Christmas songs. Like I know there's like, you better watch out. You better not fright. You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he's like, right. he's like saying, like humming all these like different um, songs. And we find out later why he's doing that. So there's a big meeting. Well, it's not a meeting. There's a big party. That and this is like pretty cool too. So there's a big party going on at the Jolly Dream um, mm-hmm. factory. I guess it's the upstairs. Yeah, and they're all pouring the vodka. Yeah. Uh, so they're all like having a party, and like I don't know if you noticed this, but like there was like there had that in the background of the music. There was like music, but every time you can hear like somebody like breaking a glass. It's kind of weird. Like in the background, yeah. it was like it was like this music going on, and then every every once in a while you hear like glass breaking. Like very, very. Um, oh yeah, I mean, slightly. if you drink a lot of vodka, then you might, you know, probably yeah. drop your glasses. And this is like what we were talking about before when we did this, um, the Silent Night, Dead Night one. Like these, these guys in the eighties, their Christmas parties, you just load up the vodka. You fucking bring vodka. You bring some some bourbon. You just bring whatever. Some holiday schnapps over there. Everybody's getting fucked up at these holiday parties. I was like, yep, yeah, back in the good old days. So Harry arrives and he sees like a. Uh, commercial um, for Jolly Jolly Dream has donated a bunch of toys to a children's hospital. Yeah, so they have a scheme, uh, like a donation scheme. They're going to donate yeah. toys, but only if uh, the the workers um, attain a certain level of uh, uh, productivity, I guess. And then they ask the workers to also contribute to the fund. Yes. Because um, Harry, when he was watching this, he was he he meets with this guy um, that introduces this guy named George, and George is kind of like a new part of the team. He did marketing on that particular uh, campaign that Allison was talking about, and then that's when we find out that like you know it was like a kind of like a, a corporate scheme in a way to make it where the hospital would would do would get something, and then they would get a good PR notice out of it as well. And Henry's like, right. like he knows that a lot of people are not going to donate these toys. So, but he wants everybody at this particular hospital to get um, all all the toys. So he he takes in his mind, like he he even calls him out. He's like, "You guys are just like a bunch of corporate greed type of guys and stuff." And mm-hmm. then they, they all kind of like look at him, like, "Yeah, whatever." And then during this time, uh, we have. Um, one of uh, Henry's co-workers, too, uh, is Ben, was kind of like teasing him a little bit about Frank taking up all, taking up all his free time and giving all the ships away uh, to him. So, And then when uh, Harry Lee, he gets mad. So w- once all this happens, like he's getting mad because he, most of the time, is getting mad about the, the toys not going to this hospital. So he like gets mad and he leaves. And this is when we get a little bit more of the party scenes. Um, uh, Harry goes up to his office. He grabs a sheet. And then he, he t- grabs like a bag. And now he starts to go into the, the toy factory. And he's grabbing up all like these red trucks and a bunch of toys. And he's putting it all in his bag. So while everybody's drinking upstairs, Henry is stealing all these toys. Yeah, he steals all the toys. So this is when we get now Henry is like, he's like full on triggered now. He is putting on his Santa beard and you never seen somebody so happy to put on a Santa beard unless their name is probably McFoley because this guy was super happy to put on this fucking beard. 
He's been waiting all year for this. He's waiting all year, man. And then he starts to cry when he puts on his beard, too, because he is now transforming into his idol, to the person who he thinks he is, his Santa Claus. So. Yep. And he's, is this, this is the part where he's building the Santa suit? Um, or he's putting on the Santa suit and he's got the padding around the the leg part and he's yep. like hitting it to see if it'll, uh, yeah. So you know he's got something planned. Yes. At this point. So now we, we now we're on, it's Christmas Eve now. Okay. And we see a house that has like a Christmas tree with it. And Hen- Harry's in this house. And I'm guessing it's just like a random house that he's in. And there's people sleeping upstairs. And Harry's just going through a bunch of like presents with his knife because he has like a knife on him right now. And he's just like cutting through some presents and stuff. And he sees that these are cheap toys and he gives them like real toys because part of um, Henry's work that he was making some secret toys with them as well. They actually look pretty cool. They look like they're like metal like toys. Yeah, they're like quality toys, like, you know, like real good toys. So and we see him, and every time like so we, so we we see him in his van, and he's driving the van like he's like Santa driving with his reindeer. All right, he's just getting yes. really into it during this time during this uh, particular time. So he goes to the house number two. It's the Garcia's house, Moss's house. He <laughs> he leaves a card on Moss's uh, doorstep with a bag of dirt. With a bag of dirt. So this is what this is what Moss gets because he was naughty. He gets a bad Christmas card and he gets a piece of dirt. So yeah, you know how we have. I thought, go ahead. I was gonna say I thought this was gonna actually be darker than this because there's a scene, um, I believe, like right before this when he's like looking through a book of pictures of Christmas, and like one of them shows like Santa Claus like putting a kid inside a bag. Oh yeah, like a naughty kid inside a bag, and I'm like, holy shit, he's gonna like putting moss inside his bag yeah. and like t- run off with him but that but he just leaves a bag of dirt yeah maybe to, to this naughty kid maybe to assume that he'll bury him or something right exactly that's what i was thinking buried alive yeah there was that scene too where in henry's house he had a bunch of creepy photos of santa all around the wall mm, yeah so so now we're, he's going to the hospital and that hospital is actually called willow springs hospital yeah, like little mentally disabled kids. Yes, and he sees it on television, right? Then he see it on television. Yeah, that that was the uh, that was the the ad that the, the the jolly dream. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they they donated to. So he's there in a full Santa gear. All right, he goes up to the hospital. We see like this fucking cop. Did you see this old cop? This guy was not playing around at the beginning. No. The cop's like, "What the hell are you doing in here?" <laughs> he's like, "It's late." What you, I, they say? This guy just like look like he was about to retire. He's like, listen, it's late. Why the fuck are you here? I'm trying to go to sleep over here. All right, and then like, and then Harry's like, no, no, like you don't get it. Like I'm here to bring toys and stuff to your kids and stuff. At first, this cop was like, this guy is just fucking crazy. And then eventually, Harry gives him a toy, and then Harry, and then the cop goes into the um the hospital, and I guess he convinces like the nurse and the doctor to come out. And he's like, hey, guys. And then at first we're kind of like weirded out. Like, what are you doing here so late and stuff? He's like, oh, don't worry about it, guys. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm Santa Claus. He keeps saying, Merry Christmas. He sees it louder and louder. Merry Christmas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he eventually opens up his van and there's just a bunch of toys. And he gives all the van, all the toys to the nurse. And then he gives it to the, um, the doctor, too. And they're all excited. Like, hey, who donated this? And Harry's like, right. he's like, people, uh, uh, people who weren't expecting to be very 
uh, joyful this Christmas. <laughs> mm. and, and I mean, and it, he's legitimate. Like he really is delivering joys to children. Like, yeah. he's, you know, he's not like not yet on a murderous rampage. He's literally, it, he is truly purely wants to give these toys to children. Like, yeah. like at this point, I'm like, really like I'm on this guy's side. I know, like I'm exactly. really, he's, he's, he's the good guy to me in this movie at this point, at least. Yeah. Like he's like, everybody shits on this guy and talks about how terrible Christmas is. And like, tell you know, how they're just can't wait for Christmas to be over. And we all know people like that because they hate it for some, for whatever reason. Um, you know, instead of just, you know, looking at the joy of things and, and, and Harry just is purely looking at the joy of this time and he wants to help these children out by giving them toys. Yeah, exactly. Like he, you know, he just, he's believing that he's the Santa Claus and he needs somebody to, to do that. He needs somebody Mm -hmm. to, for kids to believe in that they're actually doing good. If they actually are good, they'll get rewarded. So, right. So all the the nurses, everybody, like they really like him coming over here and giving all these gifts. They ask him to stay, stay, but he can't. He says he has a lot of stuff to do, so he leaves. So we get Henry in his car. He's having some flashbacks, um, of some you know some stuff that happened beforehand of some naughty people, and this is when we we're in a church now. So we see um, George um, that he was talking to earlier, the guy who came up with the whole scheme, the corporate scheme. With, like, um, this other guy, we didn't get his name, uh, his, like, boss friend. And he's just corporate stooge, I called him. Yeah, the corporate stooge guy. So, like, Harry just drives up to this church and he just stands outside. And all these people start leaving the church. And, like, they all see, like, Santa Claus. They all start laughing and everything. They all go up to him. And we get, like, these three, like, jerks, like, doing a bunch of, like, bad jokes. Like, hey, I, uh, hey, Santa, so you got a lot to do today. Uh, you know, uh, they're just uh, going on saying, like, some bad jokes and everything. Um, let's see what it said. It said, you look, uh, you look busy today, man. Uh, so it's like, I need you to grab your sleigh and get out of here and stuff. So they're kind of, like, doing, like, little, like, dumb jokes and stuff. And Henry is just looking right. at him like, fucking Henry. Fuck. Harry looking at him like he's all pissed off and stuff. And he just fucking like grabs like this like like toy with a sword coming out of it and just pokes this dude in the eyeball. Yep. I was like, "Fuck, okay, we're getting some Italian eyeball shit going on over here." I was about to say it's exactly like that uh, scene in Zombie. Yeah. With the, with the splinter. I don't know if you've seen that movie where the splinter goes through the door or the the keyhole or whatever, and then pokes that girl in the eye, and it's like her eyeball explodes. It was like that. It was a great. I yeah. mean, it was a good effect for. It was a good nineteen eighty gore effect it was great i mean i love that and he just pokes him in the eyeball with the with the sword from the toy soldier yeah then he got like this axe and starts like chopping like this other dude and this girl all on their heads yep. and yeah at this point i'm like hell yeah yeah hell yeah this guy's just not playing around now which is weird though because i thought he was gonna go to the church and kill that george guy and then the the, uh, the corporate stooge guy but they were like just watching him do it yeah and then uh, Henry Bridges, maybe he went there to do that, but he got like sidetracked with these idiots in front of him. One of these assholes, yeah. So he, he runs off in his car, and then we get this girl like freaking out about all these dead bodies. She's saying right in front of her. Um, so Henry is uh, back at his house. No, he's, like, he's in the van. He's kind of about to lay his head down when he starts to hear Christmas music. Um, so we see this other like, he like, 
hears like this Christmas music from his van and he walks over and it's like this other like 1980s Christmas party going on. And he's like picking himself through the window to kind of like that. And he's kind of like moving around to the music a little bit. And then eventually like two guys from the party notice him. They like come out and they force him to come in there and party with them with this Christmas party. Oh, and then once they bring him inside this Christmas party, all the kids are very excited to see um, uh, Santa Harry at this time. And then Santa Harry is very happy to see them too. Tells them all, Merry Christmas, everyone. So all the people from the church are at the uh, police station now. And they're all trying to like inform these cops like, hey, this guy who killed these three random people was like a guy dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit. And of course we get the whole... Yeah, right. This guy, what he's saying <laughs> over here, Jolly St. Nick is going to be hurting people. You know, we get that gimmick again. Right. And nobody believes him, of course. But he's at the party and he wins everybody over. Like the people at the party who think he's a, you know, a Santa impersonator, they love him and the kids there love him. And everybody loves Harry except for, well, every, you know, except for the people he, you know, he works with for the most part. People just love Harry. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he's a good dude. And he's a good dancer, I mean, other too. Than axe murder in part. And he's a yeah. good dancer, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was dancing at this party. He was just going all the town. He was saying, Merry Christmas, everybody. Everybody wants him to stay. He said he can't stay. He has to do a lot tonight. He has to give, he has to keep his work up, giving all the toys to all the kids. So he's playing up this. So these, these, these people think like this guy is just playing a really good Santa, but in Harry's mind, like he is now Santa. He is the the embodiment of Santa. Mm-hmm. And then he says, <laughs> he goes on to the kids and saying, if you guys are ki- if you got if you all the kids are good this year, Santa will give you all kinds of presents. But if you're naughty, Santa will give you trouble. And there's like silence, and then he like ah, ha, ha, laughs, and he says, I'll see you all <laughs> next year. <laughs> That's so great. (laughs) (laughs) So he drives off, and this is when he's like full reindeer in his car. Like he's just going crazy back and forth. Full reindeer. That's 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 like that's got to be the new thing we're gonna call that. He's full reindeer. Yeah, full reindeer man. He's like getting them fucking (laughs) pantser and shit. He's like going crazy in that car. Uh, Let's see. So this is when he arrives at Frank's house. So Frank is asleep upstairs. He has like two kids, and <laughs> this is the one Harry tries to go actually through the chimney, and it doesn't yeah, really work this, out too this, well. No, this actually made me sad. Like yeah. I was like, this actually hurt my heart. Like he's trying, he's trying so hard to be Santa Claus, and he's trying to go through the chimney, but he can't. Yeah, because you can't really climb through a chimney. Yeah, and he finds that out really quick. He's like, shit, and he's yeah. trying to go, th- and then he's you know, his other way is just trying to go through like the uh, windows, and eventually goes down one window. You remember the scene where he's like puts mud on his face and his hands and he leaves the imprint on the side of the house. Is that where he's at Moss Garcia's house? Yeah. Like that's creepy as shit. And I don't know what that even means. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant meant either. Yeah. Like he's just leaving like this, like him imprint of his face and his hands on the side of the fucking house. I think that's when he was there the first time. Maybe he was getting the idea of putting (laughs) dirt on him. He just wanted to see how the dirt was or something. Because if it were on the window, I would be like, okay, so he's leaving an imprint, like maybe so they'll know, like Santa's watching them, but it's like on the side of the house. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so we're, he, yeah, he's he's about to kill Harry or Phil. No, Frank. Uh, our, our boy Frank, man. Uh, wait a 
the Frank. Oh, it's Frank. Yeah, sorry. He doesn't kill his brother. It's Frank. Yeah, he's yeah, about yeah. to kill Frank because Frank's an asshole. Yeah, because the ring is the asshole during the whole movie. So he's upstairs. He's about to go. He sees the kids in the room. Uh, Harry, Harry Santa is heading up to Frank's room. He sees the kids. He kind of like watches them a little bit, makes sure they're sleeping. He goes upstairs to Frank's room and he tells Frank, is like, Frank, you won it all, but you're not a kid anymore. And then Frank wakes up, is like, Harry? And then Harry starts choking his ass out with the fucking um, Santa, Santa's sack. Yeah, he uh, kills him with a sack of gifts. I thought yeah. this was fucking fantastic. Yeah. He's like choking like and a the, Christmas star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he's like choking him with that Santa sack, and then like I thought the the funniest part was that the, like the wife wasn't even waking up for none of that. This guy's like screaming out here, blah blah, blah you know, like suffocating. The mice not even waking up. Yeah, and she then, doesn't even wake up if. And then when he takes the sack off, you know, Henry's not. I mean, Frank's not dead yet. And then eventually, uh, Henry grabs like the the ornament, the star ornament, the, like the tree topper, and he slices his throat. And then when Frank yeah. lands on his wife, then the wife like, she's awake, but like she's like not screaming. She's like. It's like about the screen. Like, it's like that one where you're, like, nervous, but you can't say anything. So, Harry leaves the house. The kids stop him. You know, like, say, like, oh, Santa Claus and everything. They're all excited for him being here. And eventually they hear the wife scream. And that's when Harry um, runs off. So, he drives off back into his his van. Uh, his van of reindeer. Yep. So, so, now we Full have... Full reindeer. Yes. Full reindeer, everybody. <laughs> so now we, we need have to make sure to say full reindeer. When <laughs> yeah, exactly. <have> <laughs> yeah, we got we got uh, during this time and we have full reindeer. Full reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so it is now Christmas. Uh, Christmas Day. Uh, we're not. We're at Phil's house, and Phil is going on saying like, "Hey, you know, something's here. I mean, something here. Something's weird because." Harry is not here for Christmas Day. He always shows up here on Christmas Day. I know something's not right. Something's not right with Harry right now. And then the the wife is going on saying, like, listen, like, Phil, like, you just under underestimate your brother all the time. He's probably fine. He's probably just really busy with work and stuff. And then Phil's like, no, I know there's something wrong over here. And then eventually they watch a news, um, a news uh, forecaster um, mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, there's like these murders happening. Um, we found three dead bodies outside our church and we found somebody suffocated in their home. And they're saying like the murderer right now is dressed up like in a Santa costume. So if you guys out there see any kind of Santa, anybody in a Santa suit and everything, report them to the police as soon as you see them. And then it feels going yeah, on like, I, oh shit, I know this might be yeah. Oh shit. It feels like this can't be anybody else but my brother. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, it's like, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, just, and then the, the wife is still saying like, no, no, you're not right. And then eventually Phillip's getting kind of like angry at the kids because the kids kept saying everything. And he tells them to shut up. And then he eventually apologizes to his kids. So, so <laughs> Harry wakes up inside his van and he yep. is just like, he, you know, he's full on like doing all these, he already did all these murders and he's just getting himself back up and, and ready to deliver some more toys. Yeah, he wakes up asleep. Like he's he's he spent the night in his van, um, which and in his driveway, I think. And I'm, I can't remember if he's in his driveway or if he's just parked somewhere. Yeah. But he's asleep in his van and he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, it's still Christmas Day. We have more work to do." Yep, he has more work to do. And this is also too at the time we see at the police station, all the police are, have brought up a bunch of different Santas from like all different likes. It could be a Santa working at a mall, Santa working for everywhere. And they all want, they all want to say the Merry Santa Christmas. Lineup. The Santa lineup. 
Yeah. And they all want them to say, like, Merry Christmas. And then they're showing the people from the church to see if that was, like, the they recognize the voice. And then you got, like, one fucking cop who's trying to be like, I can't believe we're doing this. You know, we're just. Yeah, like, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this. I mean, and then he goes on saying, like, you know what? It's probably good that we have a fucking murderous Santa Claus out here. Maybe he can scare some of these kids to not be naughty anymore. So he's like all about Santa Claus, like, you know, being like, a, he's, he's all about Santa <laughs> Claus being like a scary figure. So these kids will be nice and stuff right. during the whole year. Um, let's see. So, um, Harry eventually calls up Phil and he's telling like Phil, like, and at first Phil's like, Oh shit, Harry, like what, what's going on? Like, you know, where are you and stuff? He's like, Phil, I got it. I got the right tune. And he's like, what, what the hell are you talking about, tune, over here? Oh, what's, what's going on, Harry? We're like, what's happening? And then he goes on saying, like, you know, Phil's like, listen, Harry, like, you're sick, man. You need some help and stuff. And, he, and Harry's going like, listen, I found the right tune, all right? Uh, people are respecting me now as Santa Claus. They really like me as Santa Claus because I have the right tune for them now. Like, I, I figured it out. Like, you don't remember, you don't remember, Phil, uh, what happened and stuff, but I do. And then Phil's going like, why do you keep torturing me about something I said when I was six years old? And like, they're just going back and forth. So this is like when we're showing that Harry's like really like sick in the head right now. Like he is like, has like, um he is full on schizophrenic right now. Yeah. They believe that he's Santa Claus. And this is like when the Phil's kind of having a breakdown. Like this is a really emotional scene. Uh, we're like, you know, it was like, hey, I'm going to go out there. And I'm just, you know, do this tune to everybody. I'm going to show everybody my tune his Christmas tune, and then Phil's like, please, Harry, just come over here. Like, you know, like, what's going on? So he starts crying and everything, and then eventually Harry hangs it up, and then Harry goes driving his van, um, and he goes to see, um, he's driving around the neighborhood, <clears throat> Harry is, <clears throat> and he sees, like, a house that, like, has, like, the brightest fucking decorations. Did you see this neighborhood? Yeah, this uh, scene was beautiful. Like yes. the way this whole looked with this look with the lit up reindeer and yeah. everything. I mean, what and he's a just town. like an awe. Yeah, it was beautiful. And he was just in awe of this Christmas spirit from this house. You yeah. can just tell, like, he's just like in awe of this. He loves it. Yeah, he loves it. And it did it, it look really nice. I was like, damn, this place is like they, they're on point with their decorations. So he's rocking through like this neighborhood. And I guess he's like, there's like part of the neighborhood was like an alley. It kind of looked like a like a little business alley or something and eventually he's walking mm. through this alley and a bunch of kids come up to him and they're all like oh santa claus everything you know hey you're a little dirty santa claus <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah i've been really busy uh, handing out these presents you know it's not a it's not it's, a clean job it's not a clean job yeah. this is my favorite scene in the whole movie by the way yeah when he's coming up to him and he's telling all these kids like you know how important it is for to have santa around um and then how important it is to be nice and yeah he loves the christmas naughty. spirit and uh, then like why he's telling all these kids that like these these uh parents are looking like freaked out they're like yeah, oh shit is that him be the killer santa claus yes so they're like and they're like they're not even like going to like pick up their kids like they're like a good like foot away from their kids or the kids are hanging several out with feet them. away yeah. yeah and the the kids are hanging around harry or hanging around santa and they're like they're like all around him talking to him and he's being like real nice to him because he loves kids. He loves Christmas. He loves kids. And the parents are like terrified. They're just like, holy shit, what are we going to do? This is the killer Santa Claus. What are we going to do about this? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so this so this guy, uh, like one of the dads, 
is like, okay, I'm going to get him. He has like a knife on him. He's like, we don't even know if that's yeah, a real switchblade. Yeah. Yeah. Switchblade. And the guy's like, we don't even know if that's a real Santa Claus. He's like, look at that suit. Look at that fur. I think it's like, look at that suit. I can see that fur from anywhere. Of course that's him. So he goes up mm-hmm. and tries to go fight Harry with his knife and they get a little bit of a scuffle and the kids are trying to protect Harry. And then especially yeah, like beautiful. Yeah. And the kid is also going up to the dad to send up to the dad as well to try to protect, um, the Santa Claus as well. And eventually, um, Harry escapes, but the whole, uh, neighborhood is now, um, believes that this guy is the killer Santa. So they Frankenstein him where they're, they're they right, get they, a bunch they, of pitch torches to try to right, run after but, him. Right. But before that happens, like, so when he's confronting him with the, um, the, um, with this, with the switchblade, like the, I mean, it was just such a beautiful little scene where the little girl walks over and mm-hmm. takes the switchblade away from the guy and then gives it to Harry. It was just so like my heart was just like sinking into my stomach like that whole time. It was it was gorgeous. It was set up so well. Yeah. Like I just love that. But then like once he gets the switchblade, does it kill anybody? He just runs away. Um yeah. and then the town decides to Frankenstein him literally with torches and they don't use flashlights. It's like literally it's literally the scene from Frankenstein where they're like uh, yeah. they're chasing him with lit torches. Yeah, and the guy, the guy, his line was, "I know it's him. Look at that fur. Look at that fur on his suit." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, they're I like, know that's fur anywhere. Yeah, I know that fur anywhere. And the daughter that was protect, protecting him was named as Angie. So, but yeah, they're they're chasing him all down, and we see um, Harry like run through the town with all the bright lights, and he eventually gets into his van because one of the reasons mm-hmm. he did stop there too is because his van got stuck in the snow, but eventually yep. got his van out of the snow. And he drives away with the whole mob chasing him down. And then he's crying during this whole time too, Harry is. And because he, he's trying to escape from this crazy mob. Yep, this, cra- this crazy mob who hates Christmas, yes. apparently. Well, they hate that, yeah. They hate, mm. They're freaked out about this killer Santa, kind of. Uh, Harry arrives to Phil's house. Phil answers the door. He says, oh, God, I know it was you. And then Harry's just like, he's like, I know who I am. Um, I, I didn't expect him not to like my tune. You know, I, I, they just, they weren't liking my tune. And then Phil like brings him inside and they have like this conversation about like, um, Harry doing all these, like, you know, you know, you need some help you know, what's going on with you. You're very sick. Uh, he said like, he said like, I said, so Harry's basically just saying like, listen, the only thing I ever wanted to do was prove that Santa Claus is real. Like that kids mm-hmm. can have a real figure to look up to. Um, then all this stuff, and this is when he goes on to saying, like, you're blaming. He's like, you feel never believed in Santa Claus. You never believed Santa Claus is real. And he's like, ah, something I said when I was six years old. Why do you keep blaming me on this? So that's when I have like a little bit of a back and forth. And eventually, Phil actually chokes a Harry out. Yep, Choke, so he, chokes him unconscious. He chokes him unconscious, and he's like dragging his body throughout the house and stuff. The wife's looking on. The kids made to go upstairs. And he eventually puts Harry back in his van. And um, when he puts him in his van, I guess he's like maybe planning on calling the cops or something. But eventually Harry wakes up and he does like this slow like punch that he punches out Phil. Yep. And he drives off. And then, of course, Phil follows him. And this is a pretty crazy scene. So Harry is driving in his Santa mobile and he is sees the mob. And right when he sees the mob, he like turns and then during this time, Phil is trying to chase him too, but then eventually Phil like gets knocked over and he like falls into like this like snowy gravel. And then 
Harry sees the mob, but he turns and he like flies off this bridge. And eventually we see um, Harry fly throughout. Like he now is Santa Claus. He is trans in, transitioned to Santa Claus flying his sleigh out there in the night. And then we yep. get the to all a good night. Yep. He flies off the bridge into the moon. Yeah. Flying into he the moon. fully transformed into Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, and he says, uh, Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good night. Yep. And that, and then we roll the credits. Then we roll the credits for Christmas Evil. So definitely a uh, different telling of a uh, Christmas horror movie. I mean, mm. it's kind of interesting to see that if you look at it, like, you know, this Santa Claus would just, you know, obviously he, he committed some murders, but he actually had good intentions. But you could definitely tell it's like a, it's like a, it's a tale of one guy who was just very sick in the head. Um, and just like he believed that he was actually a real Santa, and if you were naughty, he would, you know, he would end your life, basically. Yeah. If you're naughty. I mean, so what did you think of this? I mean, what did you think of this movie? So it was very interesting. Like, I thought it actually had like a really good like plot to it, where it showed like a mental issue with a, a certain character. And how mm-hmm. like certain things can trigger people who doesn't who don't treat like certain mental issues that they have. Yeah. And it shows how somebody who who's so obsessed with something can be very dangerous, you know, if they don't have like the right mind frame of how to release what they're obsessed with. So I thought it actually like a really like good meaning to it and like a lot of you know, if somebody goes untreatment when it comes to like mental health issues and schizophrenia of what kind of danger can happen. Yeah, I agree. It was way more serious than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like I thought it would be kind of silly a little bit, um, but no, it was way more serious than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it was a little slow for a movie. That's only like 82 minutes long. It, I, I felt like I was watching it forever. Yeah. Yeah, it um, did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah I felt, it did feel like that. Cause you were kind of like paying attention to like different like scenes and, like, it's just weird to show, like, how the main bad guy, like, you felt sorry for him throughout most of the movie. You know, a lot of yeah. times, like, if somebody snaps and, like, okay, this guy was an asshole or, you know, the main villain's the main villain that has a lot of bad traits. But, you know, in the last, like, like this movie and Silent Night, Deadly Night, you felt really bad for the actual killer. Yeah. Uh, in yeah the, especially in here. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Harry doesn't really have any bad traits. I mean, he's he's a little bit a little well, a little bit. He's a lot delusional about some things, but he's 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 one of those people. He's trying to do the right thing in the, in the word in, in a bad way. But I mean, like, I can't say that he didn't kill that he killed anybody in this movie that didn't deserve it. I mean, all these people deserve to die for the most part. You know, they were all bad people. Like, he didn't kill any good people. Um, you know, and 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 he kept the Christmas spirit with that i guess you could say um one thing i don't know if you noticed this and if you didn't you should watch it again but the scene where phil is chasing or running after harry and then he falls down Mm -hmm. did you notice that the snow is actually just like a carpet Uh, yeah (laughs) like it's like he like he slides down this carpet over top of cardboard boxes and you can see the cardboard boxes underneath the the snow Nice. But like when when he falls on it, like it, it doesn't fluff up like snow. Like the whole thing moves like a carpet. So like, and I'm guessing that they did that so that the actor could do the stun and not get hurt. But he's like not sliding down like a like a snowbank. It's just like literally a white carpet. Boom! There you go. 
That's how you, that's how you do those movie effects, brother. That's how you do yeah, it. Yeah, those, those expensive effects for movies. Oh, yeah. So, everybody, that has been our holiday extravaganza uh, month-long Christmas hoary, hoary, Christmas hoary. horror experience. So, definitely yeah, really fun. Uh, definitely one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, definitely some of my favorite movies of the year uh, when it comes to like these Christmas horror movies. Um, I think they're great. They're fantastic. It's been a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Um, it's almost sad that it's over. Kind of sad, but hey, we'll be we'll definitely be doing this next year too. We'll find a couple other Christmas holiday movies that were made around the '80s. We might even do some beforehand too, because it's definitely a very um, interesting mix of Christmas and horror. Uh, I think it's very it's kind of like a fun kind of mix. It's just a little different of how sometimes the holidays can be a little bit of a drag. And it just brings a little bit more um, craziness into the holidays. But um, we'll be back next year, everybody, which is probably just going to be next Sunday. When we do, uh, we're starting off a whole new year here on the Retro Blood. And something that we're kind of be doing going forward is we decided until, you know, maybe we'll we'll probably later on do some polls to see which movies you guys want us to review. But, you know, for now... I thought it'd be a really good idea if uh, I pick out two movies and then Allison picks out two movies. And we can kind of theme it for the month as well. Um, but then sometimes it'll just be like kind of random. But what we, you know, what we think it would be really fun to review. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Do you have your two that you want to do for January? Oh, wow. That is put me on the spot. Yeah. Um Because if not, we can just. No. No. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do not have them picked right two. now. Well, I have my two. So I'll save my two. Well, the first one we're going to do is both me and you decided we're going to be doing New Year's Evil. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be... Next week. Yes, next week. We're going to be continuing the the, the evil uh, mm-hmm. gimmick going on over here. So And continuing the holidays because the holidays don't end until January the 2nd. Exactly. Um, well, technically, uh, January 4th, if you count the Tokyo Dome. There That's go, true. The Tokyo Dome is the biggest holiday of the year. Yep. And then my next one we're going to do is Motel Hello or Hell. Oh. Hell, yeah. So, great movie. Great movie. Great movie. So, those will be two. We'll, we'll come out your twos um next time and see what we can do. Um but is there anything you would like to end on this Christmas spirit there Allison before we head on out into the the snow and drop off a bunch of cheap toys to kids? All I got to say is uh Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night, as the movie says. And enjoy your uh, Christmas time and your dark beers and your food. And uh, it's been a it's been a great it's been a great holiday season. Oh yeah. And we'll do it again next year. Been a fantastic holiday season. Don't forget to leave some biscuits and butter out there for Santa mm-hmm. Claus and make sure he has some water to wash off his hands. Wash his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh watch out if your mom's there, you might caress her leg. Just be careful yeah. of that one too. But Merry Christmas, everybody. And we'll leave you with a, not necessarily a Christmas light song, but you're going to be leaving you with some Motorhead. To, Motorhead. To bring us out of this Christmas jam over here. To bring us out of some, some Christmas jamming. This is going to be Motorhead Ace of Spades, brother. Let's get it rocking. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you guys.
That's the way I like it, baby. I don't wanna live forever.